art happens at the border of chaos and order. You need both. And so you need the dark and the light. You need the good and the bad. You need a full perspective, a full picture, and then a non-judgmental perspective of it. Like, I'm not bad and I'm not good. I am just, I am. Hey everyone, you're listening to an artist highlight episode of The Reckless Pursuit, featuring Matt McDonald, writer and lead vocalist of The Classic Crime. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. I'm Elaine. And I'm Cody. And you're listening to episode 111. And we have a new segment, something else that we're bringing to the table here at The Reckless Pursuit. We're doing artist highlights now. And I'm really excited about this. I absolutely adore the classic crime. They're in my top three favorite bands. And it was an honor getting to talk with Matt about his creative process and even more specifically, some of the themes behind their latest album, Patterns in the Static. It is on repeat around our house and it is probably our go-to anytime we're doing basically anything right now. So it was a super great conversation just getting to talk about all of the creative process behind that and really just diving into specifically what it means to take the moment and how to seize every single moment to experience life on a deeper level. And to me, that that was my main takeaway from their album. And just hearing Matt's uh, perspective on that was a lot of fun. And it was just a good conversation. And I'm grateful that they allowed us to use the music here. So the music you're hearing is from their new album, Patterns in the Static. And uh, I can't urge you enough to check out this episode and to go and start streaming their stuff as soon as you are done here. So, you know, let's just get right into it. Here's our conversation with Matt McDonald from The Classic Crime. All right, everyone, we're sitting here with Matt McDonald, lead singer and writer for The Classic Crime. Matt, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Well, uh, Matt and I were just discussing a little bit about how uh, just things are kind of crazy. So by the time Mm -hmm. this comes out, we are hoping and praying things have died down. Uh, But as things are kind of going right now, as you guys know, life is hectic and crazy. And so how is that affecting uh, travel for you guys right now? Just out of curiosity before we get into it. Well, normally I would be doing this in my studio, which is Um, you know, it's about a 20 minute walk from here downtown in the city I live in Everett, Washington. And, uh, I'm not there right now because I'm working from home. So I've taken this pretty seriously and, uh, have decided that, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of self isolate social isolation, social distancing and, uh, self quarantine. Not that we're sick, but we just don't want to spread it to people. So, uh, you know, um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's some plans that we have this summer that we hope will still go off. The classic crime is supposed to be going on tour with scary kids, scaring kids through to the East coast in late June and July. And, you know, we're hoping that this social distancing and, and the, the practices that we're at least putting in place for ourselves that other people do it so that, uh, our tour doesn't get canceled. 
And uh, Christy and I were hoping to do a vocal few living room tour back from the East Coast in August. And obviously, we won't be meeting in living rooms if this uh, infectious virus is still going around. So yeah, it, it can definitely throw a wrench in the spokes of basically anybody's industry anywhere. So we're hoping we're hoping it's it slows down. Yeah, for sure. As some of our listeners know, with baseball season, because of our stuff, we're kind of at a halt. So still, I, yeah. I really hope you guys get to keep doing what you're doing. But uh, I see you you got new merch out and y'all have done a great job of promoting that despite everything. So uh, props to you on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 funny. It feels a little bit like, hey, you know, buy stuff because of an event or something. But uh, honestly, I'm sitting I'm sitting here shipping packages from our pre-order at home right now. And uh, I, I didn't really factor in international shipping as, as well as I should. So I'm I'm trying to get money to ship people their stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you guys just came out with a new album. We can kind of talk about that. But I really just want to hear your heart on writing. Uh, what has this writing experience been like this time? I've been... I think uh, I've followed you guys or like I, I came to your music probably the way a lot of people did. I think like a tooth and nail mix album whenever I was in a youth group somewhere. And sure. then uh, your music has kind of followed with me just kind of as I went through like deconstruction and a bit of reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And then really with this new album, kind of the direction I want to kind of take this to just being in the moment. But what has the writing process been like for Patterns in the Static, which is your new album? And if you just want to kind of open it up and we'll just see where that goes from there. Sure. Yeah. So when I launched the Kickstarter for this album, I didn't have any of the songs written. I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was this crazy sort of abyss I was jumping into. And, you know, normally we do a Kickstarter. I have songs ready. I'm pretty confident. I just need to get them recorded and produced and everything. And so that's why I do the Kickstarter. I say, hey, I have songs written. Would you pre-order them before hearing them? And this time, uh, and everyone's always said, yeah, sure. And that's worked out. And this time I said, Hey, I don't have anything written. Would you pre-order it before it even exists? And people said, yeah, sure. And then, so that's even more pressure to write something good, you know, cause people have all this faith and confidence that they'll enjoy it or they'll at least want to buy it. So, um, I started, I, I did that partially because I, I realized I was, I was rounding the end of 2018 and it had been, you know, coming up on two years between, uh, records, How to Be Human came out 2017. And I thought, if I'm going to get a record out in 2019, I it needs to be written now because these things take a long time. And so I, I used that as a motivator. And then I went on a, um, a three-week uh, living room tour where I stopped by some different songwriter friends I knew on the West Coast in Nevada and Albuquerque and um, tried to get some song starts going. And then I tried to capture that for the people who back the album. So just letting people know like a little bit more in on the songwriting process. I thought that would be cool. And it's something I've never done before because I've always been pretty private about how it all works. In fact, I don't even really know how it all works. So it was a way for me to like try to articulate how it works. Uh, I also did some songwriting uh, workshops along the way and I was talking about songwriting and I was trying to put get myself in the headspace of like, let's treat the craft like a craft. Like it's not magic, even though it sometimes it feels like it is. It's an actual craft that you can break down and you can get some insights, you know, by using language. And so I was trying to do that in the workshops and it really helped. And actually it informed uh, to some extent, the name of the album patterns in the static, because I was talking about 
in these workshops, I ended up getting really ph- philosophical to try to describe what it's, what it's like to write a song that means something that surprises you and that didn't, didn't, doesn't feel like it comes from you in a way. And I was using uh, these big binary metaphysical terms. There's chaos on one hand and order on the other. And the artist's job, or the songwriter in my case, is to stand at the border and reach into the chaos, into the scary nothingness, and pull out some form, some order. And the order is the song, but it comes from the chaos. And so you can't be all form and you can't be all chaos. You need to sort of stand at the border of chaos and order to create and how that's a really difficult process. And so when I thought about patterns in the static, I thought this is a great metaphor because it's about reaching into the static, the unknown, the nonsensical, there's no form and pulling out a pattern and the pattern is the song. And then I was also thinking, because I like layered metaphors, like there's, you can look at it from a lot of different ways. I was also thinking about the phenomena of when there's static in, uh, in your life. And it's just a natural phenomena of hearing a pattern in it. So like we sleep with white noise at night, you know, and, and I would be up late at night running through songs in my head, just writing in my head. And the white noise would kind of be this nothing ambient background that I would pull things out of. There's another layer there too for Patterns and Static. It's kind of like the songs on this record really came out of the ambient noise of my life. Just the thing, the day-to-day things that um, are sometimes overlooked. They're not massive peaks or valleys. I mean, they're, they're songs that are, are about that on the record. But a lot of the theme of the record is about just the moment, the simple things, the things that we overlook or maybe don't value. That's the ambient noise that is informing a lot of the songs in the record. So I thought that was a perfect name for it, just to, to be able to like sum up a lot of different concepts in one term. Yeah, and I love that because that's something that's been extremely... I, I, the only way I know how to describe it is spiritual. Because before your record came out, I was dealing heavily with being present in the moment. And uh, like our listeners know this, you don't know this about me, of course, but uh, something that I've dealt with a lot in my life is anxiety and like that stagnant uh, or this constant fear of being stagnant or this constant fear of what's to come or, you know, I'm constantly focused either out here in the future or back here in the past. And Mm -hmm. like this, I had this, I guess, spiritual moment where I was like, man, I've got to learn to be present I've got mm-hmm. to be mindful of my moment because if you don't take the moment, you have nothing, right? Right. And so when your album came out, that was one, the moment I was like, man, I've got to jump on and say something here because that was the theme that I got from it. So it's it's cool to hear that back mm-hmm. because uh, I guess let's play a little bit more into that. What What about those, I guess, not the peak or the valley kind of moments really just started to speak to you to kind of inspire this? So we spent a year in Nova Scotia, Canada. It's on the east coast of Canada. It's in the Maritimes is what they call it. And we spent a year living in an old family home that my grandparents used to live in that was empty. My aunt invited us out to, to take care of it for a year. And we thought, well, you know, we work for ourselves. The kids are not fully like plugged into school yet. I think my daughter went to kindergarten there. Um, this is a chance to really 
travel and, and we could tour out and then we could save money because she was letting us live there for free. And then we could tour back and then buy a house because we hadn't saved any money for a house or anything. Being musicians, it just seemed like a cool opportunity. So, but by the time we got there, we did eight weeks of touring and it was all go, go, go. Next, you know, we have three kids on the RV. It's like next city, next city, next city. And like little things come up and you push them aside because you just have to keep moving. And, you know, the tour went fine, but like, you know, our relationship, Christine, it was, it was a little bit just more like uh, divide and conquer, get it done. We don't have time to really like talk or be alone ever. Um, it's either like we're parenting or we're performing and there wasn't, there wasn't time to really process and have a relationship. And so when we got to Nova Scotia, we were both reeling. I think the first day, I built a desk because I was like, I need to get to work on this new Vocal Few album, which was called Grand Prey, which was after the the town that we lived in there. And I was just moving, moving, moving. And I realized um, we weren't connecting and we weren't being present with each other and we had a problem. And so my response was, what can I do about this? So I decided I need to stop. Uh, I got to stop working. So I just told her, I am not going to work for the next two months. I'm going into the parlor, which was now my office, and I'm going to be in there, but I'm not going to work. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to read. I'm going to sit. I'm going to think I got to like that. That's my work. I got to work on me. <laughs> that's good. And she was like, okay, okay, whatever. And, uh, and, uh, I was listening to this poet who's, who actually is deceased, but, uh, he was on, I don't know. I was trying to listen to podcasts to get inspiration to figure out what to do. And I think he was on, on being with Krista Tippett and, uh, she was interviewing him and his name's John O'Donohue, a Scottish poet and uh, me being Scottish and I'm in Nova Scotia and, uh, you know, and he's more of a naturalist, like he's like out there in nature a lot and there's a connection to the earth. And he said some CEO businesswoman from New York asked him like, you know, she, she called him and said, the wheels are falling off and I'm, I'm spinning, you know, and I, and I, what can I do to, to like slow down and calm down? And he said, wake up every morning and watch the sunrise and then watch the sunset every night. Do that for a week and then get back to me. Just syncing up to the circadian rhythms of your, of, of, of the world, the, yeah. the earth, the, yeah. where we come from, you know, everything's so fluorescent light and fake light and, we're not really synced up, you know, and that being human beings, it's unnatural. So she, she did that and said it changed her life. So I said, Oh, well, I'm going to do that. So I did what I called my dawn walks and I did some sunsets, but ultimately I, I wanted to, sun was setting a little earlier over there and uh, right around dinner time. And so I was going to do family dinner. So I ended up just doing the dawn walks after a while and you know, I did like 41 of these things in a row, like wake up at like 5.30 a.m. and then walk. And I didn't know that this was actually a practice that people do. They call it a wander or a, a wild wander or something. Yes. Well, just, just, just to go and enter nature and to be very present with it and be aware of it. If I was doing it, without even knowing, because I went to a retreat later that, um, where they taught us to do it. And I was like, <laughs> weird, I was already doing this. Yeah. But I would walk to the top of this hill, which is actually a lyric in one of the songs on Patterns and the Static. The whole time, like, you know, phone, no distraction. 
I would pay attention to everything I saw and I smelled. If there was something on the air, I would think about it. If I saw a tree and I wondered what's the name of that tree, I would sit there and I would look at its leaves or I would look at the clouds and the colors in the sky. I would, if I saw animals, I would really pay attention. And, and, and then I would get back and I would write a page in my journal about everything I'd saw. So I couldn't record it in the moment. I had to use all of my five senses to record it into my memory and then go back and write it down. And initially, it was really, really hard to be present enough to be aware enough to write a full page. Yeah. But eventually, I was writing two pages. I was so aware of everything that was happening. It was like the most boring thing ever that was suddenly... <laughs> The, the suddenly the most exciting thing for me to do because I, I was able to slow down and really take every step and be aware of everything. And my senses almost turned back on. Like I, I had been denying them the whole time, just thinking about the next thing, you know? And so I, I started learning the names of birds and trees and just getting in touch with everything I saw. And that really was the first time that I learned about the value and the gift of the moment of, of all the things that are just passing us all the time and how when you can really embrace the moment, be in the moment, well, that the anxiety and the stress for one goes away, that I'm a better person to my wife and kids, and that ultimately it's the only thing that's real. Everything else is a fantasy and that like the only, the only thing real is right now. And so it helped, it helped me be more present with my family and my kids and just taking time and being like, I don't have to work right now, or I don't have to think about all the 50 things I need to do. So that was the first kind of experience. You know, I was 35 years old where outside of being a child where you're alone in your backyard, digging in the dirt, mm -hmm. which is another lyric from the <laughs> record. But like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the songs I think came out of that concept of being in the moment of those little moments that are the things that will we miss, you know? And so the record deals a lot with time, the passage of time, looking back at different times, the moment in time. So, uh, and I don't know if that's like, because, you know, I'm a parent, I'm watching kids grow up and realizing how fast it's all going, you know, they're one way. And then the next day there's something else. And you're like, did I, was I really a present with them in that moment? Because now they've changed. And, um, and feeling like, I think culturally, you know, you said it resonated with you. I think just culturally on, on like a sociological level, we're all feeling the stress of the speed of technology, of the 24-hour news cycle, how fast trends come and go and the memes we're inundated with. And like, remember last week when this happened, that seems like billions mm -hmm. of yeah, years ago, Yeah, you, you know, and I think it's stressing us out. Mm -hmm. And so... I thought it was important to share in, in the songs what, what my experience uh, with it is and, and hope, hope that it resonates with other people. Well, and I love that because kind of tying it into a little bit of what we deal with here with like deconstruction and spirituality and everything, you don't have anything if you don't have that moment, right? You're, you're completely disconnected from God, from source, from spirit, whatever you want to call it. You're, sure. you're pulled out of that if you're not. Even from people. Yeah, I and mean, connecting with other people. Yeah. And that's one thing yeah. that uh, that I've really been trying to deal with lately. That's been a recurring theme in my life is just like, you know, if the Bible says that, oh, well, we are the temple of God. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Well, that means mm. that there is 
something to be said about focusing on people and not focusing on off on some other thing, not being like, it's, it's one thing for me to sit with my wife, but it's a completely different thing for me to sit and have a spiritual encounter where I'm present with her, Mm -hmm. where I look Mm -hmm. in her eyes and I'm like, tell me what's on your heart. You can't connect with someone, you know, when your mind is elsewhere. And so I just, I think that that's a beautiful message and kind of looping back. I really feel like, and like, let me know what you think about this because this is just kind of my observation. I really felt like with your last record, how to be human I mean, I guess it's kind of in the name, but it really was learning what Patterns in the Static is about, or it was kind of a precursor to learning about what Patterns in the Static embodies. Yeah, How to Be Human was definitely uh, the summation of a journey that I'd been on, and you could call it, people call it deconstruction. But it's really just the breaking down or the opening up of a closed narrative. And I think any sort of belief system or any sort of, I mean, we all follow a narrative. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, there's an operational narrative. We all believe that pieces of paper are worth dollars that you can buy stuff with. There's no innate value in a $100 bill, but we see it and we all agree. We all agree on it. And therefore, it has power at the store. It's just like that with any sort of belief structure. And How to Be Human was really about opening that wide open. And it's funny because the people who were offended by it said things like you guys you know you sold out or you lost your faith or you you, um yeah or whatever yeah but like but like you're 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 like selling out to the world or whatever because people don't like their narratives threatened they don't like their beliefs threatened and and even if it was a belief about who i am or what the band was it, it it was a false belief they still don't want their false belief threatened so they 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 don't say you've changed. They don't say, you know, (laughs) they try to say you've changed when in reality, I've been this way uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But this album, that album was about expressing that. And then the funniest thing I found was a lot of fans who were who didn't have those structural narratives, who were already wide open, their critique was that's the most religious album yeah. I've heard from you guys. Yeah. I was about to say, I thought that was your most spiritual album to date. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. They're like, but, they, but like some of them were like, great. And some of them were like, I don't like the, all the religion on this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, what is it? Yeah. Oh, am I, am I a religious uh, person or am I a heathen? You know, exactly. <laughs> so, but the funny thing about it is, was, you know, it, I, it was basically written by the end of 20, 15 and it had songs on it from 2013 14 15 i came out in 2017 but but i by the time it came out i was i was over it you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um so i find myself sitting here like having to answer like questions from people who are just now processing mm-hmm. those those concepts or just now opening up their their minds and new possibilities and to me i was like once i did that i'm done with it. like i'm done with it. i'm on to the next like, what do I do now? Like, and, and, and like you said, it does feel like patterns in the static, at least thematically is the next step. It's like, what do I know? What is reality? And the thing that I, I feel like I, I can actually know the most and feel as the most real is the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is just the practice of presence, of being present with myself, in myself, not having to constantly compare myself to other people or a narrative or am I living up to a certain narrative or a structure? 
or a story mm-hmm. and not believing any story I tell about myself. Yeah. Just being in this, whatever this is and being able to, to laugh, to not take myself so seriously, mm-hmm. to not like the things that weighed me down when I was younger was really just narcissism. It's that I thought everything I did was of such incredible importance. Mm-hmm. And because I thought that, I i mean, there's some positives to thinking that, I think. But there's also a lot of negatives. There's a lot of ways that you view yourself in the world that can be damaging to other people and damaging to yourself. Mm-hmm. That can keep you in patterns of, you know, bad, bad habits or whatever, you know, so kind of freeing myself from that to be present and just be open and accepting of who I am in, in whatever moment that definitely was a, was a natural next step after how to be human. So I was going to ask you, how do you deal with criticism, especially whenever it's about your changing beliefs and and what other people believe about you? And and like you said, some people were like, this is too religious. This isn't a religious enough. And a lot of people in our audience and in our community deal with a lot of criticism with just slightly different beliefs of the Bible or who God is. And they get attacked yeah, (laughs) themselves and they get attacked for it. What advice would you give? to people dealing with criticism or dealing with maturing and changing and growing into who, who they were supposed to be, who they're called to be. To understand the idea of stories and the power of stories over people's lives, stories are, are ultimately idols, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's these, these frameworks that we can clearly understand, that we can follow, and that prop our lives up, up and give us structure. But to understand, when you really understand that, and how that's dictated a lot of my actions in the past. I don't know. I think I can offer grace to people who are very defensive of their stories because they, they're at a place where they really need that story to be true. Mm-hmm. And when you threaten it, it will naturally, you're threatening the, the core of who they think they are. It's not who they think they are. It's just ego, right? It's just, it's, it's just a narrative structure that props up uh, this idea of a me. <laughs> and so they're living in that. And to them, it's very scary if, if someone disagrees because it's like their, e- their ego themselves are, are the, it, it's being threatened. And so I get it. So I don't respond when people criticize, I see more, it show, it tells me more about them than it does about yeah. me. That's good. And so I, but I, but I don't need, like, I don't need to respond back to them um, because I'm not being attacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's good. laughs> you know, the, they're feeling attacked, yeah. you know? And so if I respond to them, mostly uh, it's, it's to say, hey, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just trying to express myself and I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, try to deescalate. But, uh, but everyone, you know, is quote unquote on their own journey. And the best I can be is just myself in this moment. Two moments from now, my mind might be changed. That's, that's how I move. I don't keep still and I don't 
I don't keep propping up some, you know, whatever I believed when I was 19 years old. It's just my life has changed. My experiences have changed and my mind was, has been uh, altered. And so I'm just, my, my goal is as a musician is just to express where I'm at in the moment when I write a song. And honestly, when the song comes out, I might feel extremely different. Mm -hmm. I try to explain that to people too. It's like, Hey, I wrote that when I was X years old. And, uh, you know, that was 10 years ago. And I don't even know if I believed it when I recorded it, but it was the moment that was captured. And so I had to do justice to it by putting it out. So when I think there's a huge importance on being more self-aware of yourself, other of other people, the circumstances around you, all of that. And I feel like that's how you're able to grow and to mature into that is is just being aware, grounding yourself, going outside, meditation, yoga, all those things that kind of pull you away from outside sources, from the media, from all of that, and just kind of look within and and truly discover who you are, your feelings, your Mm -hmm. thoughts, and how you connect with other people. Well, yeah. And I I think that's the hardest. I think that's like the whole beauty of, of literally being in the moment, Mm -hmm. right? Is like, uh, whenever I, we get criticism a lot too, for like podcast stuff, et cetera. And so like, when you get that, it's hard not to take it personal, but you have Mm -hmm. to remember, like those people are critiquing you based on their own critiquing of themselves, what they've been told, what they've been taught. Like, it's just, it's this whole dynamic where they're being fed something and so they're kind of pouring it out. And when we take that time to seize every moment, to seize the moment you're in, it kind of, it it takes the narratives away, it takes the labels away, and it Mm -hmm. takes us into a place where we can see each other for what we are, and that's Mm -hmm. humans. We're we're more similar than we're dissimilar, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at with that. Sure. Yeah, and I like the idea of of going inward. I think... It's so important. A lot of our culture and our, our just the way that we are as Americans or mm-hmm. Westerners mm-hmm. is so externalized. We get all of our feedback from the outside, whether you're a materialist or a Christian, whatever God you serve. Right. Yeah. You know, if it's if it's stuff or deeds or belonging, it all comes from other outside of us. And to understand, to, to ask yourself the question, who is there when I don't have to be good? Who shows up when I don't have to work hard? When I don't have to worry? Who's the watcher? Who's behind all this activity and all this externalized ego me? Like, what if I'm okay? You know, <laughs> because everyone's, everyone's running around going, I'm not okay. I need this. I need to be better at X. I need more money. I need more stuff. I need more Instagram followers. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You're, you're, you always need more. And so what if you like, who shows up if you don't need more? Who show, who's the other person? Uh, <laughs> the real core. And that is that I think that is experienced more when you can be quiet and just really slow down into the moment and go, wow, this is enough. This is enough. I don't have to be good. And it's scary when you, when you think about that initially, uh, you know, it worried me initially when I thought, well, what, what happens if I don't have to be good? I found out that I was a lot better of a person. I mean, don't we manifest, I mean, to use like a woo woo word, like don't you pretty much manifest what your thought process is, right? Like we're composed primarily of sure. our thoughts and our thoughts become our actions. And so if we're constantly focused and this is like, my biggest beef with Western Christianity and Western work culture is you're constantly trying to improve, 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 Mm -hmm. but to what end, 
Like you're constantly right. seeing yourself as something worse than when in reality, if you start viewing yourself as something better or something good, you know, and I, I right. you know, to use a biblical narrative, you know, the whole like woman caught in adultery or prostitution or whatever, Jesus is like, Hey, you're not this. And she goes on with life because yeah. he changes the narrative. Like that's the message of right. Christ, change the narrative. Well, and a lot of people are afraid of being vulnerable, not just with other people, but themselves. A lot of people are scared of their own thoughts and their own feelings. And and they're, they're afraid to take off that mask because they're afraid of what they're going to find out. But what they find out is that they're actually good people. They're, they're actually a lot, like you said, a lot better than what they right. thought they were. Yeah, it's it's tough to let go of narratives um, because you feel like, you know, if I don't believe this or I don't hold on to this, if I let go, then it's going to get so much worse. You know, I'll be untethered. I'll be falling. Uh, I, I won't have a moral compass. I won't have a structure that will prop me up. And that's all just fear. And anything motivated by fear is is going to is going to lead to negativity and i think a lot of people are clinging out of fear because they don't want to fall into the unknown they don't want to yep. they don't want to swim in the static and i think if you can let go in a good way there's so much beauty to be found in that and uh you know there are wisdom traditions you know that are millennia old that are all about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's even within Christianity. Contemplative Christianity was born at the same time Christianity was born. You know, Jesus himself went out into the desert to fast. This is old, old, old stuff. And I think in our Western culture, we have lost touch. I think there have been movements maybe in the 60s where people kind of grasped back to the East as a... Um, as a re reaction to war and the 1950s sort of like proper prim, uh, rigid materialistic, uh, nuclear family thing. But like, I think we're at a point now where, where people are hungry again for, for something deep, deeper and more meaningful that isn't so materialistic, that isn't so ought to and about your work and, and doing the right thing. And uh, that isn't so fundamentalist and puritanical and, and, you know, exclusive us versus them. And um, we are all separate and we're, we're holy and they're not, you know, people are tired of the binaries. And I think that's why the more mystical traditions are, I think are a little bit more appealing, especially nowadays to a lot of people. And they're finding a lot of like life in it. Um, whether it's whether it's meditation or contemplative practice or even yoga or um, you know these silent retreats that people are going on or fasting or whatever, these are things that people have done for thousands of years for the same reason <laughs> to escape the oppressive narratives that society places on us. And so it's very human to desire this stuff. And I think if it's responsibly pursued, then yeah, there's nothing but beauty that can come from, from letting go. Yeah. So maybe that narrative yeah. works backwards too. Maybe to learn to be human, you have to find patterns in the static, right? You have to get quiet <laughs> to learn to be human again, yes. to, yeah. to drop that narrative. That's good. What, uh, what's some personal advice just, uh, from one human to another that you would have through what you've been through to say, okay, here's a good place to start on just trying to take the moment, trying to be quiet, maybe 
trying to learn more about yourself versus what other people's narratives have said about you. I know you've shared a little bit about your journey, but where would you kind of guide people as a as a good starting point or at least a place to look into? You could try if you have the means to do a dawn walk or a sunset walk, have a pattern or a routine just to commit to something for a week and see what it does. I don't like commitments. I don't like rules and I don't like restrictions. But like when shit hits the fan in my life, I'm totally okay to do it. So it was bad. And so I was like, I have to commit to something, you know, Um, because it's not going to change itself. So I have to take some action. So for me, it was the dawn walks. It was getting up, finding out when the sunrise was happening, getting up 15 minutes before, putting my clothes on and walking out the door and just being out there alone in the quiet morning by myself and just paying attention. You know, everybody can get outside. You know, it's there. The sun is rising every morning. And if you want to go witness it, um, I, I would say that's a really easy, easy thing to do. I mean, it requires you getting up early before work, but just, just commit for a week. Just set, just set your alarm and go, I'm going to try this. I mean, if, if things are critical in your life and, you know, coronavirus got you down and you're anxious, <laughs> a good time to go outside would be when no one's around. You can be socially mm-hmm. distanced. Yep. <laughs> try you're to working get a, from home anyway. A, <laughs> right. Try to get a view of the East. Mm-hmm. Try, try, try to look East and watch that new day start. Yeah. There's something about the directions that we've lost. We've lost the mystical relationship to the directions of our, our three-dimensional lives, east and west and north and south. I mean, these are all, these all had metaphorical meaning to our ancestors. And so reconnecting with that, I think, is an easy, easy first step. I don't have like a regular meditation practice, but I do find that just focusing on my breath when I'm stressed out is really helpful. I mean, just in a moment, not sitting down for two hours, you know, I could maybe do 20 minutes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like, but Hang like <laughs> just, just, just five breaths, just standing, closing your eyes or watching something, light a candle, take five long breaths and focus on just the feeling of the breath coming in through your nose and out through your mouth, the tickle of it, the feeling, the sensation, the gap between the inhale and the exhale, just focusing on the breath. And when your mind wanders, just noticing and acknowledging that it wandered and then coming back to the breath. And that, that transition, everyone who meditates feels like a bad meditator because you're constantly bringing your mind back to the breath because it's always wandering. It's always wandering. But the thing is, if you let it wander and you follow it and you follow it, then you come back to your breath. You're like, that's funny. It had me for a while. But you realize that in your whole day, as your day goes, it has you the whole time. And it's not you. The thoughts come up randomly. You don't generate them. The you is the you that can focus back on the breath and go, I'll let the thoughts go. And that it's just that transition from the thought to the breath, from the that to the this. And when you're in the this, in the moment, that shift is what trains your brain to be able to do that. And then someone says something mean to you online. It's the thought, uh, they're like, ah, this, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not that. That's the thought, <laughs> you know? And so there's a reason why people have been doing it. Christians mm-hmm. have been doing it for years yep. and years and years. <laughs> it's, it's not magic. It's not the occult. 
uh, Christian mystics over the years have all meditated and contemplated and sat there and looked at candles and focused on their breath. They've had mantras and they've had all sorts of different techniques um, and all built within the religious structures themselves. And Western Christianity gets a little scared of it because it's Eastern, but we seem to forget that Christianity is an Eastern religion. It came out of the <laughs> Middle East. So <laughs> well, and anything that shakes you out of complacency is scary, right? Exactly. And we want our stories. We want our narratives. Yep. We think that that's, that's what's going to protect us. Yeah. yeah. We think they're going to protect us, but they're ultimately what kills us. They're, they're the thing that yeah. robs us from the moment is this story. You're just following this narrative in your head. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, so I would say Don walks and just focus on the breath once in a while. And that's a, that's a good place to start. Just to kind of bring it back to the album so we can kind of wrap up with that. Uh, one thing that sure. you had mentioned that I was curious to hear your perspective on is you said the first half of the album is uh, day and the second half is considered night. So I'd love to hear a little bit of elaborate. Does that have anything to do with the Dawn Walk specifically or how did that come about? Yeah, well, it has to do with the 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 kind of the metaphor of the the, the static and the patterns, the chaos and the order, the night and the day, um, that these two things are paradoxical but they're also both necessary when i said writing you know art happens at the border of chaos and order you need both and so you need the dark and the light you need the good and the bad you need a full perspective a full picture and then a non-judgmental perspective of it like i'm not bad and i'm not good i am just i am so i wanted to represent that binary by clumping songs together that fit on either side and actually right in the middle it kind of blurs there's a blurry blurry between the outside which is kind of a precursor to going out into the dark and then patterns in the static is like kind of reaching in you know so but uh but yeah i i, I normally try to have songs take the use of the user the listener on a roller coaster yeah, yeah. people are using music <laughs> i really i think music uh, is useful yes. um but like but like instead of doing that i for i just never have done this before where i group all the songs that are like thematically about one thing together or even sonically in a sim in the similar sandbox mm. and then grouping kind of the darker more meatier um songs on the on the back back half in the in the night side and um and it's cool because the vinyl day and night have two different labels too and it's and it's clearly the flip side of the vinyl so the first six are day and then you flip it over oh, to the b side to get tonight so i thought that was a cool way to do it and it just worked out because i looked at the songs and i was like oh yeah there's six of each yeah <laughs> you know and then there's like two in the middle that could kind of go either way mm -hmm. and those will be the transition songs yeah. so yeah, it just worked out. And it was a, an idea I had in the shower after the record was already recorded. So, and then I was like, ah, oh, great. You know, Eureka, <laughs> I can do, I can do that. I have a track listing yeah. idea now. So 
Sweet. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that has great ideas in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Uh, the shower can be a, a wonderful, a wonderful time to experience the now. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what's one key takeaway when people listen to Patterns in the Static that you hope they they can take with them, or maybe it's a feeling or a thought, whatever that how is to you. Yeah, how can they use your music? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't write it for takeaways. You know, when I'm really truly writing, I'm writing for myself mm-hmm. to express to express myself. I don't know. For some reason, I have to do it. Some childhood wound happened, and now I have to. <laughs> so, do what this. did you take away from your album? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really me trying to express kind of a change in my thinking and, and trying to embrace the moment and lamenting at the speed of time, missing when time moves to slow. The, the nostalgia was really thick on the first half of the record. And so, yeah, I was trying to express that nostalgia as, as I get older, um, trying to take some of that childlike curiosity of what is happening right now and imbue that in my spirit through songs and you know, so I was trying to remind myself a little bit of what that was like and and see if I could take some of it with me. Yeah, that's good. All right. Kind of one final question for you, I guess, kind of broad scoping out here uh, for anyone who is listening that is an artist or a creative, which I hope everyone that's listening taps into that creativity mm-hmm. at some point because that's vital to me. But like, what's a, what's just some advice from someone who's been creating for a long time, who is, in my opinion, mastered getting people to back what they're creating and rallying before they create it. Yes, apparently, <laughs> and rallying fans and everything like that. What's some advice you have to uh, to creators out there? Just any kind of advice, like whatever you would biz business advice, or I would say just uh, to be, I guess from a creative yeah from standpoint. a creative standpoint. Like, what's some advice you would have just to? I, I guess I'm looking at this personally because. Uh, I was a worship pastor for seven years, and I'm just now in the place in life where I'm like, I'm going to write because this is something I love. I'm going to do music because it's something I love, not because it's what's expected of me. And I can kind of break away these last two years. When we started this podcast two years ago, it was at like a precipice in our life where I was leaving ministry completely and going, you know, my thoughts no longer aligned. I was constantly butting heads. It was just a problem. Creating for you. And like, yeah, I was kind of coming to the place where I was just creating artistically for me. So maybe this is a selfish question. What advice do you have to Mm -hmm. someone to just create, uh, I guess? Yeah. I mean, there's a million things I could (laughs) say. Cut out the external. I think if if you're already, you have a craft and you have a voice and you don't need to emulate, just follow the threads within yourself. I mean, uh, it's just it's just about being present to just what pops pops up and being available and being ready um, to capture it. I mean, a song to me is like my friend of mine put it this way once: you're walking along and you trip over something, and it's like, whoa, I tripped. And you can keep walking, you know, dust yourself off and keep walking, or you can look at what you tripped over and maybe you brush it off and you go, that's a bone. And you're like, well, now I'm curious. Now I'm going to spend seven hours uncovering this skeleton. And it's not as, it's not that you're making it. It's that you're discovering it. It already knows what it is. It's already in the ground. You got one piece of it. Maybe it's a rhythm. Maybe it's a chord progression. Maybe it's a melody. Maybe it's a rhythmic rhyme or a lyrical line or a poem or anything. It could be anything. It's just one part of the skeleton. 
And I think your job as a songwriter is to just uncover it. Now, at some point, you're going to have to put it together so it makes sense. <laughs> it's not going to be it's not going to be some weird animal where the foot's on its face or whatever. You know, it has to have, you have to have the producer lens. But the main job, I think, of the artist, when you're looking at it with your artist hat on, is to just uncover it. And it takes as long as it takes. But to me, it's the stop and see what you just tripped over. Drop everything and start digging. Because that's that's the moment when it hits you. And I've had countless moments where I didn't stop and it's gone. And I'll never find it again. I had an entire album written in my head in, in, in REM sleep one morning. I had the name. I had the song styles. I mean, I don't know if it was playing tricks on me, but my brain had it done. I was like, I at least have like seven songs. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait till I can get up and I'm going to work on this tomorrow and it's going to be good. And then, of course, it was absolutely erased from my mind. And that's like a death, right? It's like you lost a, a child or something. So just to be willing to stop everything, drop everything, wake up, snap out of it, grab your phone. That to me, that sort of impulsive following the threads is uh, the best advice I can give to someone who's creative. You know, things pop into your head, pay, like take them seriously, pay attention and let your uh, spouse or partner know that you're not, um, it's not, you're not being rude. That's like, that's like what you have. Like I have to leave right now. Yeah. I can't be here <laughs> yeah. or else this will be gone. I remember when Christy and I first switched roles where I was sort of the main guy that was supposed to pay the bills. And I said, well, I'm doing this music thing. So, um, she had supported me for like seven years, uh, working at, at the newspaper in Seattle. And uh, when we had kids, she's like, I'm staying home and you, you're paying the bills. Okay. But uh, you need to leave me alone in the basement we lived in this place. I had a basement and I, my studio was down there and she would just do little things. Like I would have the whole song swirling around. Like I'm just almost ready. And she'd be like, I'm going to the store. You need me to pick anything up, you know, yell down <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's just gone, gone yeah. you know? Yep. And I'm like, like, I'm like, I think I just no! got mad at you for something very similar the other day. Yeah, yep. No, <laughs> no, it's God. Uh. You like, it's like she tore something away from me. And so she had to learn that like when I, when I was working, even if I wasn't, she just couldn't interrupt because I could, I could be writing. And so just to, just to make that uh, space and take sacred, if you can be very precious about, your ideas and about your work time when you're working on them. I think that helps. I think that helps the creativity a lot. That I think that applies to like everything we've been talking about. So it's a great yep. place. Where can, uh, where can you send people to find your music and what's going on that benefits you guys the most? Well, the classic is our website and there's some merch there that you can buy. I'm still fulfilling packages, so it might take a week or two. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have a link to some tour, tour merch that won't take that much time because we did it on Teespring. So uh, that's on the classiccrime.com. Bandcamp is the best way to get it digitally, probably, because you can pay what you want. Mm -hmm. So, And then their rate is better than iTunes, twice as good as iTunes Sweet. if you're buying digital music. And also they have like the 24-bit you know, master version, mm -hmm. which is like streaming services are all 16. Yeah. 
but Bandcamp's the, the way to get the best possible version of it. And it's the best cut. They only take 15%. So very cool. Well, then we'll send um, people there yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, so you guys are going on tour, uh, all things planned with Scaring Kids, Scaring Kids, right? You want to promo that one more time yeah. before we get off here? Sure. I mean, if if we're not all in quarantine, uh, <laughs> June, June 27th, to uh july 12th i think or something like that um yeah we're starting in chicago we're heading down south we're going to florida and then up the east coast and it it should be a great tour Mm -hmm. uh if it if it still happens so uh that you can check out the dates on the classiccrime.com too very cool. Well, we will put all the links to everywhere to find you guys to keep in contact, where to stream your music, all of that in the show notes. And Matt, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing all of your thought process behind that, a little bit of life experience and all that. So we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Once again, we just want to give a major shout out to Matt McDonald from The Classic Crime this week as we talked about seizing the moment and just living in the present. Yes, thank you so much, Matt. And of course, guys, you can find all of their music, where to stream it, and figure out those dates for that tour. Uh, Hopefully, it continues to actually be able to go on with all this craziness going on. But you can get dates for that and access to them in the show notes below, links to all of their stuff. And I highly encourage you to go check them out. If you haven't done so so far, don't forget, we have a private community just for you. So if you're a listener of this show and you're looking for a safe place to ask unsafe questions, we invite you to be a part of Nomads. Go click that link and ask to be a part. And if you haven't done so so far, we ask you to leave an honest review that helps people passing by to know what this show is about. And the last ask we have for you today is just to share this on with a friend if you enjoyed it. That's the best way to keep the conversation going. And as always, we love you guys. Be brave. Be bold. And be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.